Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Fake Nerds Watch for Star Trek Strange New Worlds. This is episode two, Children of the Comet. Um, I'm Brandon C. McClure of the Fake Nerd Podcast. With me, as always, is Cookie from Just a Little Podcast. What is up, my friend? Welcome back to another another great show, another beautiful, beautiful show that seems to coalesce everything that we love about Star Trek. It, oh, I'm really warming up. These two episodes have been, I think, fantastic. Yes. Um, I said this about Picard about f- halfway through, but I'm like, I may have a new favorite Star Trek show. Oh, watch out! Not not Star Trek, not like all, all like quote unquote new Trek. So like, Deep Space Nine, I think will always be my favorite Star Trek show. Okay. Um, but like, hey man, Strange New Worlds. If it keeps going like this, it's up. Damn, there. this is gonna this is gonna be a good show. It's definitely up there. So what did you think about the second episode, Children of the Comet? I love this. This, it brought back so many, so many like emotions of Star Trek for me. And I I loved every bit about it. I think it was exceptionally well done. There was, (laughs) this show seems like there's nothing going wrong. They just have, they hit the right buttons at the right time and everything flows. And I love it. I'm excited for this. This series is doesn't cease to amaze me. Let's say that. Yeah. I'm sad that it's only 10 episodes. You and me both. I could watch 22 of this easy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I Bring back the old school days when we got a whole bunch of episodes. I would love that. I mean, to be fair, the reason why it's 10 is because the budget is very big and it shows. These shows it look does. amazing. Um, and this one is no different. I want to say I love this new design for the Enterprise. Yes. Um, I believe John Eves designed this one. I'm not sure. Um, if not, it's a variation of the one he designed. Um, I really love this look for the Enterprise. I always love, I, I, I think I showed you like last week, I've got all these Eagle Moss figures um, of of, ver- of all the Enterprises, even Jay, mm-hmm. but I don't, I don't display it. Um, so like I've got my, my little Constitution class starship right here. That's so cool. She is my favorite design starship in all of Star okay. Trek. And I've liked every variation of it. So I even like the J.J. Abrams Enterprise. I even like, so I, I like this Enterprise. Every single time they've kind of like updated the Enterprise, mm-hmm. this specific design, the Constitution class, I've always liked it. Sweet. There's something about it that I'm just like, this is a per- This is perfect. Like, look at yeah. this. This is a perfect ship. It, it really is. And it's like, for me, the second and, and all right, so for Picard, I'm gonna sound kind of mean, but I would skip through the intro. This show, I don't skip through the intro. Not at all. I watch it every single time and I smile every single time I see that ship just cross the street. I just can't help but smile. Yeah, I love I love the intro. I love the um, I love that we kind of get back to um episodic storytelling, kind of like problem of the week storytelling. Yeah. Uh this episode opens and you understand the care and you get like one of the things that I really like about Star Trek in general, I've, I've railed against Star Trek discovery about this. So we get character focused episodes, the beginning of this episode. All right. This is an Ohura episode. Yes. Right off the jump. Hell yes. And it's like, we deep dive into who she was, why she entered into Starfleet about her past, as far as her family, her, her brother, 
we get her tribe, we get everything as far as where she came from. And it's like, it's so refreshing to get these backstories on characters that we're going to see throughout the entire season and love. And it's really great because in the original series, it is mentioned that she's from Kenya, but in the original series, a lot of those old, a lot of those women characters didn't get a lot to do. I think Uhura came out the best between Nurse mm-hmm. Chapel and her, but Uhura is only from Kenya because she's African she's American. She's African American. She's, she's black. So like she she's only there. She's only from Kenya because of that. Much in the same way that Pavel is from Russia. So mm-hmm. like it's not like she could have been from anywhere, and they chose Kenya. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay, well that doesn't matter to her character. But they made it matter in Strange New Worlds. They made it an important part of her character that she's from Kenya. Yes. And this goes to the question that we were talking uh, kind of off air. Um, I know in Star Trek, we've had the same type of um, thought pattern episode where they're basing the episode off of music or off of Mm -hmm. math within music. And I, I cannot remember the episode. But it just it flashes through my mind and I'm like, man, this is so good because you can tell that the the writer of this episode or writers of this episode know their Star Trek to go back and say, you know what, let me tie this little note in and no pun intended, tie this note in to make it flow so seemingly with music being such an importance to an African culture and using that to personify Ahura in such a deeper and richer environment is just it's great yeah i really appreciate how um this episode just flows across because like everyone in this everyone on this mission is the right person for this mission yes you know and it's and it's not like and like sure that's coincidental but that's how it was in the original series i just watched here's a good example i just watched the star trek animated series i just finished for the first time ever star trek the animated series um which is not a show that holds up very well. Um, the animation is garbage. But there is a there is an episode where all of a sudden Sulu is not at the helm. And instead it's a character named Ensign Walking Bear, I believe it is. Okay. He's a Native American. And they are approached by a Native American god, Kukulkan. Which is very funny because William Shatner, who is reading his script when he's, del- when he's, writing, when he's de- uh, delivering his lines, cannot pronounce it ever. So he's like, Kuklikon. It's just like, that's not, you're trying. Um, so he, but he's there. He becomes an important character because of his Native American roots, because that's, they're now, they're now facing a Native American god who's actually an alien and blah, blah, blah. Um, and so like that was a staple of Star Trek. That's always been a staple of Star Trek that everybody who's on the landing team, everyone who's at the helm, they're all important. They all, they're, they they're, matter. They're the important part of that episode. Um, and so in this, Ahura is on the landing party roster. Well, mm-hmm. it's G. Willikers. Uh, it looks like you're the exact person we needed. Yes. And it works and because they, that's what Star Trek is. Correct, correct. I I don't want to jump too far ahead, but I, I really enjoyed the fact that we got um, Kirk laying down. And oh, the mustache Jesus. is glowing. And I'm like... They literally just like swapped out William Shatner and just put this. It was perfect. I could not help but laugh. I the, loved it. The, the parallels. I, the parallel of Sam Kirk being turned over in the same way that he was in the original series. <laughs> so when great. he was dead. Like, <laughs> and like what's funny about that is um, 
my partner who's never seen the original series um, and is only going through Star Trek very kind of casually. Mm-hmm. I was watching it with me and she's like, and she's like, oh my God, did they kill him already? I go, not yet. He does die, but this isn't it. <laughs> Just give him some time. Um, it's But like that, that was a fun callback for, yeah. for fans of Star Trek. And if you don't know, like if you're just a casual fan of Star Trek, you've never heard of Sam Kirk. Yeah, exactly. Who the hell's Sam Kirk? Um, so it's cool that like we get we get stakes, but not really. Correct. Did you when you saw that happen? Did you kind of get nervous? Like, oh, is he already dead already? Because like instantly, they're like, oh no, he's not breathing. Is he actually going to come back? Because they couldn't use the transporter because of the shield on the comet. Yeah. So they're like, okay, is he? It, for me, I thought I was like, is this the time where he actually dies like right away on episode two? But thankfully, no. no, I didn't think for a minute. He brought up the shields in the comic. It's a good. It's a good. I think the opening. I think the tease is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, we get we get this great dinner party at Captain Pike's uh, cabin. But, but like the 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 te- at the end of the teaser, they fire torpedoes at the at the at the comet. Shields are up, and they're just like, uh, I don't want to tell me how a comet has shields. <laughs> Space, the yes. final frontier. Beautiful. Exactly. Beautiful. I love it. This this episode, I think, had, especially this dinner party, reminded me so much of Deep Space Nine. And I was 100%. like, I just hope they bring out some gumbo, some jambalaya, <laughs> like something. Give me some Louisiana cuisine. It was so great. I love that. And it's like, his quarters is massive. And it, it, it just, it, I guess it's mind-blowing to me, like, how Captain Kirk is, like, this little, like, broom closet compared to this. <laughs> but, like, you got to admit, like, that was luxurious for the time. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it was. Right. I think someone someone mentioned, oh, it was Trek Culture. I didn't like Trek Culture's ups and downs for this week's episode. I had a lot of, they were really nitpicky, but they, they wrongfully called the Enterprise, a, uh, like, an aircraft carrier. Okay. Enterprise, the Enterprise is not an aircraft carrier. The idea is that she's a submarine. Interesting. Because space was supposed to be an ocean. Okay. So all of the all of Starfleet ships are submarines. Gotcha. Um, and that kind of goes away when the fact when you start to realize, like, oh no, you know what? Space is actually you can do whatever the hell you want in space. Yeah. Um. So the Enterprise was always meant to be a submarine, and so like mm-hmm. that was the idea of like. That was the sensibilities of the time. We were looking at, at it with, through a different lens. So for the time, Kirk's cabins were luxurious. He was in the military. He was on a submarine, and he had a bedroom. Mm-hmm. Like you didn't, you didn't have that on submarines in the twenty first century. Very true. Yeah, you but still don't. You look at like Grant. I know that they have to push it back because of like the time in within Star Trek. But you look at like Archer's. Oh God, I felt so bad for that man. Archer's well, yeah. cabin was worse it was the worst thing ever it was not a good time to be a tall person on the nx ships. not at all i felt so horrible like goodness gracious that that's sucked. why I, that's why i liked uh star trek enterprise one of the things that gravitated that i gravitated towards star trek enterprise was how i think successfully they peeled back the technology from the 60s yeah you know they looked back at the fact that like okay well if we take the 60s the 60s star trek series if we take star trek the original series as the future what would the but what would the step before that look like? Mm-hmm. And I think they successfully did that because you see on the on on the NX01 how they've got keyboards. Like we have keyboards. You see, like every door has, you know, they have to step over the over the thing right. because the, the the you know I think I thought that was really successful. But Archer still had a bigger bed. 
<laughs> and he had a dog. And he had a dog. I like Archer. Archer's one of my favorite captains. Excuse me. Yeah, he was he was good, really good. Uh, but you're absolutely right. Making the comparison of that of that like dinner party being like Cisco, I, I got very much Deep Space Nine vibes from that, especially when you see like casual wear. Yes, I'm so happy with the evolution of casual wear in the Star Trek franchise. And that was such a good little like hazing what they did. It was a very very nice like it wasn't very mean, but it was like hey, make sure you, you get you dress up. And it's a suggestion to use like your formal attire, and she did. And I was like, "That's hilarious! That's too funny!" Yeah. And then I, you, instantly, you see Pike's like, "Oh, <laughs> you got oh, she, fucking into it." She got you. Yeah, um, that was so good. The casual wear, I really like the design of the new casual, uh, the new um, not casual wear, um, dress formal. uniforms. Yeah, I, I really like that design. I think it looks really cool. Um, Nurse Chapel gets a little bit to do here. I love her. Still do. I, um, she's great looking too. She, oh man, she's a babe. <laughs> <laughs> and the, just the fact that like it's literally polar opposites, and it reminds me so much of TOS because of because of Spock and her mm-hmm. characteristics and how flirtatious and outgoing she is. And it's like Spock is a cold-hearted killer. <laughs> well, <laughs> so it's, great. What I love about it is that they've they've turned it from a lovesick flirtatiousness because like, man, Chapel was always just like, Spock, why don't you love me? Oh, Spock. Yeah. I, I hate Chapel, the original series. Um, but this has become like, it's kind of playful banter. Like she's just like, Oh, you're cute. I'm going to play with you. I'm going to have, yeah. I'm going to have fun with you. It's like that. That's a better, that's a better relationship. That's, a, that's also a more powerful relationship for her yes. to be in because that's she's, because she's now in the, she's now in the, uh, she's instigating it. Rather than kind of like falling for it. Correct. She's not the damsel in distress type of thing where it makes her look like very much inferior. And I don't think that's the case here. I think that it's very much equals. And at the same time, she has like one little notch above him because she's like swaying his emotions a little bit more to the human humanoid side rather than yeah. the Vulcan side. But he's completely oblivious to it because yeah. he's um he's got a great he's got a great line with Uhura where he says you know, um, many people, including myself, have have had Starfleet as a lifelong dream. If you don't want to be here, then you should probably make way for someone who does. Mm-hmm. Because Uhura, we reveal, is she's not sure if she wants to be in Starfleet. She's really only there because she had no other options. She didn't want to go to the school that her parents taught at. Yeah. Um, kind of going back to, like, I think Starfleet... I think Starfleet often is the place for misfits to wind up. And I, and I always liked that about Starfleet. It's why I really liked it. It's why kind of like, you know, whenever they talk about like, which fictional universe would you want to be in? It's always for me Starfleet because it's like, if you're, if you're, if you feel like you don't belong, you can always find a place in Starfleet. I wouldn't know what to do because I don't think I'm <laughs> that intelligent enough to be on a starship. Like I would par- probably be part of the lower decks because I, I'm not smart enough to be in the science. I'm not strong enough to be like anything important. Uh, I'm Can you not, hold the phaser? I'm myself short. I just truthfully don't feel like I have enough brains to be part of the bridge. I want to pilot a starship. I'm scared of heights and I'm scared of open spaces. What the hell? <laughs> I, it's weird. I am terrified of open spaces. So don't like, go to space. If I if my my old neighborhood by my parents' house, there used to be. Um, a basketball court and then right behind it was woods they tore down the woods 
and it was just open space. And every single time I would shoot the basketball in that direction, I would freak out because of the open space behind the basketball. Hoop. Oh, that's fair. Yeah, it's the, the fear of the unknown. Yeah, it just yeah. It freaked me out. Same thing with the ocean. If I go like I used to do deep sea fishing and I used and you'd surrounded by water freaked me out because like oh, you yeah, I, get, I, I feel lost. I get that. But for me, the way I see it is if I'm in a starship, if I'm piloting a, a star a starship, then I've got I've got it's not necessarily I'm in an open space. I'm in a, I'm in a container with a lot of firepower. <laughs> but you have I, I don't know how many are on this particular class of ship, but you have hundreds of people, their lives, their souls are in your hands. I'm curious at how, how many they'll say is on the on the Enterprise, because in the original series, it's only 400. Okay. It's about 450, I think, uh, roughly. And technically, since this is the same Enterprise, it should be the same height, should be mm-hmm. the same kind of size. So I wonder if there's, because I really didn't like in the original and and like the Star Trek 09 was like we got like twelve thousand people on the Enterprise. Yeah, I'm like that's Alpha a lot of people. What are they doing? Like I understand if this is Orville, but no. But even like the Orville doesn't have that many people. I, no, always, I don't think so. No. It always bugs me that Kel- the Kelvin Enterprise was so big because I'm like, what are they all doing? Mm-hmm. Surely not everyone has a role on that ship with that many people. Well, I know with with um with. I'm trying to think. I can't remember which one it was. I want to say it was TNG. With TNG, they had a lot of the wives that were there, that literally yeah. were husbands that were there. Their families were all on board with the ship. So you had these people that didn't necessarily serve a purpose. Um, so some of mine, I, I apologize for his name. Oh, man. What is, what is it he like was that? in TNG and he was in um, Deep Space Nine. White, white guy. Miles? He, Miles, thank you, Miles. His wife, she was. You forgot. Uh, you forgot the name of the most important officer in Starfleet history. I apologize. I could not remember the same in life. Miles and his wife. His wife was like uh, a plant plant person. She's a botanist. Botanist, and it's like, okay, what does a botanist really have to do with Starship? Well, the Enterprise D made more sense to me because it was, you know, going back to what. The Enterprise, the Enterprise is a is going back to that submarine analogy. The Enterprise mm-hmm. D cruise ship. Okay. Right. So like Zara actually asked me about this with my partner. She was like, um, do all was the the Enterprise D on a five-year mission also? And I had to explain to her that the five-year missions went obsolete when starships were able to stay out longer. Mm-hmm. That's why the Enterprise D is so much bigger and has families, because deep space exploration was a lot more tenable. And you didn't need to keep coming back every couple of years. Yes. You just kind of keep out, stay out there indefinitely. Mm-hmm. Um, so it made sense. It makes sense that the Enterprise D would have more people. It doesn't make a lot of sense for the Enterprise to have more people. Correct. Because again, what are they all doing? Yeah, exactly. They all That's have like, to have a purpose, or else they're just taking up space. That's actually why I like the Orville. It's such a small ship. It is, but it's crazy. Like you look at it, and I remember watching it, and when it's by itself, it looks huge. But then when you go and see it next to the other ships, it's like itty little bitty. Exactly. Look at it that looks thing. so big. Pew. Um did you see the trailer for the new for the new season, by the way? I have not. Is it good? Boy, you gotta see it. It looks great. I, I love it. My wife and I watched it religiously. We and I, I kind of got into Star Trek because 
when I was re-watching Deep Space Nine, she would watch it with me, and she's like, oh, because she very much likes inclusion of everybody, and she's like, oh, there's black people. Oh, that's so <laughs> great. He's a captain. I'm like, yeah, Cisco's the best. Cisco <laughs> is the best. Cisco he rules. Um, but, um, back to back to this episode. One thing that I really liked, and I know we're only on episode two, but we have this focal point of Christopher Pike and his flash forward into his him being in a wheelchair and his mm-hmm. face like melting all this stuff. We didn't get that in this episode, which I really liked, but we did get him get almost like an anxiety attack, like a very small one when he mentioned the 10 year. What, what's your 10 year goal for Ahura? Yeah. And he like pauses very briefly. And that hesitation of like, <gasps> like a gasp in his ear, like, I'm not going to be here. So it's not yeah. going to matter. And you see, number one, kind of realize that she talks about it towards the end. And it was just a very interesting, subtle moment that they hinted at knowing that he's not going to be there. Yeah, I really appreciate I really appreciate that as well, um, because it also leads into him. He knows the names of everyone he's going to save. Yeah. And like that's keeping him going. Right. That's Mm -hmm. like if I stay on this path, those people aren't going to die because he's thinks he thinks probably rightfully so that if he's not there, they will die. Yeah. And he doesn't. And so like that's what it goes to the end of the episode when he's like, you know, pull up the pull up the names of these Federation people. Um, try to because he's trying to like remind himself like no stay the course stay the course it's still ten years away. Interestingly, um, I guess I guess this show takes place in twenty two fifty six, not twenty two fifty nine, which was which is strange. And I know you probably don't really know why because Discovery season two I believe took place in twenty two fifty eight. Really? Yeah, and this isn't a prequel to Discovery; it's a sequel to Discovery. So it's so, weird that they won't they wound the clock back. Mm-hmm. So do you think we're gonna get like a little jump in time from here? This is maybe just the beginning part and halfway in the season we're gonna go and pass discovery. No, I think we were we're already past discovery. We've we he already knows, you know, we were he's already done season two of discovery. He's already back on the ship. I think all they did is I think they just kind of wound the clock back to just give them more time to develop the show. I think okay. they wanted they didn't want the um impending doom of of pike's accident to keep being prevalent they wanted Mm -hmm. space from it so like you can you can do five seasons and you're not going to hit that time period gotcha you you could do seven seasons and you're not going to hit that time period you know so you kind of so it kind of gives the show a a lot of breathing room away from that so you can kind of keep going with captain pike for it kind of as long as you really want to Mm -hmm. i think that's probably why they did it and I don't know if that's necessarily the case. Like, you know, the show could completely be like, yeah, we're actually 2259. Honestly, these dates are arbitrary. They don't really matter. I gotcha. Except they matter to me, damn it. <laughs> okay. So the comet is mm-hmm. actually a prophetic comet named it's Mahanit. An it's an it's actual an entity. entity, yes. Named Mahanit. And it's not um, a comet. How dare you call it a comet? So sorry. <laughs> the shepherds are very upset. They're like, how dare you ruin Mahanit? How dare you desecrate Mahanit? Like there's yeah. going to hit a planet. I really, I really appreciate how they're just like our prime directive or whatever, our general order one, you know, we're not going to interfere, but we're not going to let them die. Yeah. 
I really appreciate that kind of distinction of just like, no, why would we let these people die? They're going to sure. develop. Like, no, we're not going to do that. And this was, for this moment, it was another great nod to Deep Space Nine. Because mm-hmm. Deep Space Nine had a big component of religion involved in it. Mm-hmm. And this one had that same component of religion where you don't necessarily understand that religion. However, it does not give you the right to dismiss someone's beliefs. And I think yeah. that this this one, very much so, because at, at the beginning, you're like, okay, up until the very end, I honestly was dismissing. I'm like, you guys are crazy. It's a comet. Like, get over it. It's not an entity. It's not a real being. It's a comet that's going to actually collide with this thing. However, I won't get to it just yet, but the ending definitely changed my mind so much. And I was like, wow, the writing was exceptionally well done that it made you now go back and say, this actually was a real being. It wasn't just necessarily a comet. The ending makes you think that like, you know, the the theme of the season, I guess, so far that's developing from the first episode to this is, um, you know, how do you act when you know your fate? Mm hmm. Um, you know, that was the first season, the first episode, you know, uh, if you know, you're going to die, you'll, you, you know, you'll act differently. This is, if you know what's going to happen in the future, you'll act a certain way. And Mahanit knew its fate. It knew what it wanted to do. It never had quote unquote, or it says it never had any intention to hit the planet. Yep. Um, and so like, it's a nice way to. I think so far they've done a really clever way of incorporating Pike's character journey into these two episodes of the show. And this one is no different. Mm -hmm. You know, they really try to, they really try to kind of subtly push Pike into a specific character direction and not kind of keeping like, no, not, they're not pounding it into you. Right. Mm -hmm. They're just, they're, 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 they're incorporating it subtly into each episode until the end when it's just like, Oh, this was actually what it was. So it's like, it's very much like you said at the beginning, it's very much episodic, but in the same sense, it's like there is an overall arching plot that goes throughout the entire series. At least for these two episodes, we have the same main plot. That's not necessarily a focal point, but it's there. And it's like, Hey, we just want to give you a little refresher just to give you a friendly reminder this is Pike's story. Even yeah. though we're going to talk a lot about Aurora in this particular episode, this is Pike's story. It's kind of, it's old school TV, right? It's it's back, it's 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 Deep Space Nine. Yes. You know, Deep Space Nine was episodic, but it had an overarching storyline of character development. Characters developed over time. They didn't just start at zero. This Correct. is the same way. Characters have characters learn a new lesson and they move forward go, uh, going past that um, and they change. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a smart way to do this. I think this is no nah, lower decks is pretty good. Lower decks does <laughs> this too. Lower decks is pretty good. What when you saw this alien ship, like right after we we get encountered with this comet, and we and I say we like we're part of the, the actual crew, but we get to experience this comet and what's happening. We see the trajectory, and we're trying to go and do something, and then out of nowhere, this new alien species comes into the mix. When I saw the Enterprise and how tiny it was mm-hmm. compared to the ship, and then you see a, a really good nod at Christopher Pike and his character, it didn't phase him at all. It wasn't scary for him. He got up out of his seat, put his hands behind his back like he was he was a proud papa of his ship, 
and he stood his ground. And he said, you know what? I don't care what's going to happen. I know this is not the end for me. And well, that's so cool. Well, he has this thing. So he does two things that I really like. One, I love that the bridge is too big. He has to get off his, off of his chair to talk to people. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, uh, he he like approached it like, okay, why'd they fire on us? This is definitely a misunderstanding. Let's talk about this. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, let's let's find some. He says it, like, hey, let's find some common ground. Let's have let's have a discussion. It's like, no, screw you. Um, and then when he is looking for options, one of my favorite things is that he's has this back and forth where he's just like options spock suggests the thing okay number one will that work yeah that should work great da, da, da. let's do that and then mm-hmm. you know like how are we how are we going to do uh what are we going to do this and it's like oh i like this plan let's do this plan it's like he listens to his bridge crew correct they're the smartest in the, they're the smartest on starfleet they're the mm-hmm. best of the best of course he's going to listen to them yeah and i so think that's good. great it is it definitely is i had a question for you so throughout all of Star Trek, we we see their face in the screen. We see the other person's face in the screen. Mm-hmm. Have you ever wondered where that camera is? No. I've always wondered that. I'm like, okay, how does this camera know that it needs to be on Christopher Pike? And then not get everybody else inside there. Or when he needs to go and say, like, hey, shut off comms, so don't say anything. Do they hear him say, shut off comms? Yeah. Or does that out of, they do. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's so there's a there's a Facebook like Alexa Echo Show whatever thing mm-hmm. um, that follows you. I like I think about it like that. Like it's just they they just got a camera that just kind of follows you. Now it gets a little dicey when in the original series they're just like standing in the middle of a room and all of a sudden the bridge can see them and it's like that's where's that camera? Yeah. <laughs> Should I be concerned about that camera? <laughs> Um, but I think like towards the later Star Trek shows, they got better about it. I got there's, you. I mean, but that's kind of the thing where it's like the, that goes back to a pet peeve I have about the fact that all of the new Star Trek shows have a glass view screen. I hate mm-hmm. that. I still do. I'm, I'm trying to get over it. I don't really bring it up too much anymore, but Why I really hate it? that like, glass view it, screen. What is that you don't like? Well, so classically Star Trek view screens are, it's just a wall. Mm-hmm. With like a let's let's a screen on it, and then they like can project they it's projected yeah, they onto the image that they see out. Correct. Yeah, and so like it's just it's just a wall. It just bugs me that there's this giant piece of glass in the front of your ship. Yeah, I can understand that. And like, admittedly, admittedly, it's not so. Real quickly, before Star Trek fans get come at me, I know it's not glass; it's transparent aluminum. However. Uh, new Star Trek, uh, a lot of the new Star Trek stuff does not treat that view screen as it is transparent aluminum. They treat it like it's glass. And I don't, I, that's also a pet peeve of mine. I wish we kind of had a little more restraint there. Because you see every once in a while, the, the grass, the grass, the glass would crack. Yes. And it's like, I've never seen aluminum crack the way that it shatters. Right. See, that's the thing. The Star Trek, Starfleet vessels are, are they use transparent aluminum as their windows. Because mm-hmm. it's 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 stronger than glass. It's 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 essentially transparent metal. Gotcha. And so, like, that would what I would theoretically believe to be, uh, start uh, to be on their view screens. But that's a pet peeve of mine that I don't. <sighs> I'm never going to get back to the world where there are no, where it's just a wall. 
I got gotcha. you. And I missed my wall. They did this thing <laughs> in Star Trek Beyond. I love Star Trek Beyond. I want to be clear. I love Star Trek Beyond. Okay. But when they're trying, when they're getting out of the ship, when they're on the bridge, um, when they're on the planet and they're on the bridge, they shoot the thing with their phasers mm-hmm. and it just starts cracking like glass. And I'm like, that wouldn't be. That wouldn't be. <laughs> One asteroid. Bam, you're all dead. Exactly. Yeah. That's too funny. You know um, who we forgot about, by the way? Who? We didn't. We talked about in episode one, and you asked the question because you're like, "Where is our chief engineer?" We now got our oh, blind chief engineer, mm-hmm. which for me, I was like, "Wait, he's blind?" He is in, I believe, what the ter- the the species is called an enar. Yes, and he, he I guess, his other uh, senses are super in high end. That he has the ability to go and do things because he's over there chopping what looks to be almost like a carrot. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, these species were introduced in Star Trek Enterprise. Yes, I remember that. I do not. Um, fascinating. Okay, so da da da. Probably shouldn't be doing this when we are recording. <laughs> All good. Okay. All good in the hood. So they're they're an offshoot of Andorians. They look like Andorians. Okay. Um, Do you th- does it yeah. say who actually played as him? Because the voice and I'm, I apologize because you are more of a Star Trek fan than I am. But it's gonna it's gonna I'm gonna get hate from this one. Um, D right Space here? Nine. Yes. I can't remember his name. The one dude who has multiple of his. He's like a copy. Yes. He's yeah. uh, he has a very peculiar voice that was actually in Enterprise as well as an Endorian. Yep. Is this the same actor playing as this guy? Because his voice nope. sounded very familiar. No, nope. it's not. Okay, that would have been great if they actually pulled him to go and do the voice for this. So this guy is named Bruce Herrick or Horrock. He was on one episode of Warehouse Thirteen in 2010, and that was it until he got this part of Hammer. On Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Oh, look at that. The char- the actor you're talking of is Jeffrey Coombs. Okay. Um, he's a very popular actor who has been in every modern Star Trek show. I would have to check that. I don't think he was in... I don't know if he was in Next Generation. And I say modern. He's not in Discovery or anything. But he wasn't... Yeah, yeah, uh, he was in Lower Decks. He was. Yeah, he was in... He was a, Rogue computer in Lower Decks. Okay, it's a fun episode. Okay, I've always just—I was always fascinated the fact that he, because his voice is very, very noticeable, and this guy had very similar voice. I don't know if he was using that to mimic an Andorian, but no, uh, yeah, he's Shran. Shran is the Andorian you're thinking of in Star Trek Enterprise. Okay, uh, he's one of my favorite characters in that show. Um, and he loses his antenna. Antenna. Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. so the so the the he, they have an Enar um, uh, chief uh, chief engineer. We don't really see him in his in his natural habitat, but he's got a fun thing where it's just like, oh yeah, we could retrofit these these torpedoes within the hour. It's like an, a, a generous estimate, considering I'm going to be the one doing it. <laughs> that, that was fun. I um, wonder how they're going to go and talk about how he gets around if he is in fact blind. What's well, his sense? He has all these senses. You know, he's, yeah. He, but it's like Spock throws to... a Spock throws a, a carrot at him and he catches it. It just I, I don't know. It just seems so weird the fact that and I, I might sound very very biased in it, but it just seems very weird the fact that he's going to be 
the chief engineer of a starship blind. And I'm not saying that people out there who are blind can't do everything else that a normal god. Here we go. <laughs> Let me shut my mouth now. All right. <laughs> you want to keep digging? You want to keep digging? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Anybody can do anything they put their mind to. Exactly. That's the moral of the story. By the way, do you know who else was a blind chief engineer? Uh, no. Jordy LaForge. He was not blind. He, he had is visor. completely blind. He had a visor. Just because he had help does not mean he wasn't blind. <laughs> oh, when he funny. took that visor off, he couldn't see shit. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> so, like, oh, you know, man. admittedly, it is it it is interesting. Yes, that uh, that that he does that he that Hemner does not have a a um, implant to help him see. Uh, mm-hmm. He gets by on his own senses, but also I think that's kind of like you know it's the difference between you know Jordy wasn't Jordy wasn't handicapped because the visor allowed him to see more than a human being. Mm-hmm. Hemmer can see more than a human being because of his other senses. Gotcha. You know, so it's kind of in the same vein. I want to, I want to shout out two things. One is beam phasers. We get beam phasers back. Something look, so subtle makes you so happy. Look, man, I'm a I'm a simple man. <laughs> I like bubble shields and beam phasers. Bubble shields, oh god. <laughs> and I and I got beam phasers. Like I really don't like that Star Trek. That the JJ Abrams Star Trek movies. They they kind of kept going with this um, idea that you know, they're kind of like pulse cannons where it's just like, mm-hmm. they're just kind of shooting quick bursts of, and those are the phasers. And I'm like, that's not, that's not phasers though. Phasers are a continuous beam. A beam of, line. Of, yeah. Beam line. And we got that in this episode and it was the same sound effect from the original series. And I was like, yes, yes. it was so yes. good. So good. Um, the uh, Star Trek lower decks does that too, which is one of the reasons why I like lower decks so much. Um, there's another thing that they do in this where I really appreciate how, um, they they approach their shields. Mm-hmm. Normally, I'm not crazy about about kind of like those tight shields, the ones okay. that are like really tight to the hole. I prefer like the bubbles. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought it was really pretty how they how they visualized it in this episode, like when yes. when the torpedo would hit the hit the shield and like ripple through. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a really cool effect and kind of like almost turned me over, turned me around and like, ooh, it's pretty. <laughs> Um, there's the, uh, um, oops. Oh, forgot it. I forgot the, the, la- the rest of that point. Oh, um, and it's one of the things that I also liked about like shields is in the original is in, is in all of Star Trek, whenever they're like, Oh, shields down to such and such percent. They do that in the JJ Abrams, JJ uh, uh, Abrams films, but they're always like shields down to, to, 95% and like there's hull flying out in the space and like they've mm-hmm. got chunks of the like they got hull breached everywhere. I'm like yeah I, I, I think your shields are gone yeah you got not, no shields <laughs> you got no shields intact yes I, I, I really appreciate that we've kind of gone back to that gone back to that I agree um the computer voice of this and I, I finally found that actress but I forgot to write her name down uh, we get a brief moment of the computer voice and it sounds exactly like Majel Barrett, who was the computer of the original series and all of the shows up until Voyager. Okay. Um, I was really surprised at how close it sounded. I was like, did they, did they resurrect Majel Barrett to record new dialogues? What the hell? That's fine. Um, 
because every Star Trek show has had a different computer voice because well, the voice of the computer is dead. Yeah. Um, uh, the actress they got is a voice actress. I forget her name now, but she said, and I watched a clip of her just like talking. I was like, she sounds exactly like Majel Barrett. It's insane. That's cool. That's so cool. Like they should, she should have always been the girl doing, doing the computer voice. It was, <laughs> it was so crazy. Um, we get an awesome flying sequence. Well, before that, we get them hopping into, um, I guess, a nod to Enterprise. The suits that they had remind me a lot of the Enterprise old school suits where it's like you had the, the suction boots that were super, super heavy, mm-hmm. everything. And they even mentioned like, hey, be careful because it's not like Earth's gravity. It's like a fraction of Earth's gravity once you're flying off type of thing. Yeah. All that was so cool. Just the fact that they actually mentioned it brought it to life. I also really like the EV suits um, more than I like discoveries. I think discovery yeah. often falls into a line of just, they're just always over-designed. Um, and I thought that these were really sleek and just really nice. And just kind of like, yeah, I you, definitely you, agree. You nailed that. Yeah. And then while we're on the comet, the fact that we got the music added in there and horror's voice and mm-hmm. the fact that she can sing. And at the beginning, we get that little hint of her singing while she's i guess kind of nervous the fact that she's at this party yeah she and sings then, a song vama vama vamba i believe is the name of the song which is from from i yeah. guess where she lived yeah yeah and now we get the same song happening again and she's humming it and then we start to hear her sing a little bit more and i'm like wow she actually has a wonderful sounding voice and spock does not not at all <laughs> complete opposite <laughs> <laughs> um there was it's really funny it's, it's really cool by the way not funny it's really cool that they got an actress um who could sing mm-hmm. um I, uh their 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 pronouns are they them i have to rec- i have to remember that um the the actor who plays uhura but um uhura nichelle nichols was a, was a really good singer and could do it and, and did it a few times in the original series so it's really cool that they did that again with this actor yeah. Um, they're just making sure that, like, okay, well, Hurro could sing. The same. Yeah. But Spock could also sing, so they screwed that up. But I think that maybe Spock's happened as, like, a period over time. Oh, eh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's a fun line I want to bring up, though, in this, when, when Spock says, um, Vulcans believe that music is the purest form of math, which is why it's so pleasing to the ears. What yes. a Vulcan thing to say. What is what a Vulcan thing to say. <laughs> but at the end, we did get him to laugh, which I thought was priceless. Well, I don't think it was a real laugh. I think he was just making a point. Like, yeah, yeah he was this trying was... to be more human because he's trying to learn how to do certain things like, say, motivational speeches to kind of give you a pep talk. Shitty motivational speeches. (laughs) So he's trying. He's definitely putting his best foot forward. So I like that. I really appreciate. Anyway, going back to the flying sequence, I thought the flying sequence, Ortega's has this thing, and I talked to the actor do it, where like she she gets into like a fighting stance Mm -hmm. on the on her console. She like gets ready. She's like, okay, we're gonna do this. um, (laughs) It's like a really action pose. And I I people have talked about online. I totally agree. This is the first time that a, that a starship took evasive actions, and I actually believe they were doing it. Yeah, because like she they were, actually did like an aerial flip. She was they were weaving across. They were weaving around the blast. They were trying to. They were actively trying to dodge the fire. I was like, hell yeah, this is yeah. cool. It was really really dope. I, 
I love this ship so much. I want I want this ship. I want this ship. How much do your little figures cost? Oh, I believe they were about 20 each. Oh, okay. So it's not that uh, unaffordable. No, there weren't. Um, I, I had to be sure to always get them. Like, here's the Enterprise A. Like, I always had to be sure to get them in this size so that they will match. Mm-hmm. Um, the Star Trek Discovery ones. And here's the Enterprise B. I love um, that one. The the Excelsior class, yeah, she's yeah. great. Um, the I have the C, but the stand broke. Gotcha. Um, so I always had to, so I always had to make sure that to get them in the same size. Here's the NX01 because great. the I have OCD, so I have to be sure that they're all the same size. Same. And understandable, you and me both. The discover the discovery pieces were not; they were much, they were larger. They were okay. more along the size of the. Battlestar Galactica. Gotcha. Um, and so like I don't mind getting the Battlestar this big, but like if I want my I want my starships to from Star Trek to all look the same size. Mm-hmm. But I might just give up and do that because I really like the design of the ship. <laughs> and just be like, I just I just want it. I just want this. That's, funny. That's too funny. Um they also have an NX01 refit that I really wanted. I thought that should, I think that ship looks awesome. Doug Drexler, I believe, designed that one. Um, cause the NX01 in season five is going to be refitted to look more, to look a little bit more like the constitution class to kind of look like okay. it's, we're getting closer to, to what Kirk had in the, in the original series. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, da, da, da. uh, trying to save without, Oh, um, the, the, the plan to kind of try and, uh, the alien, I really like the alien design real quickly, but the plan that they have is to be like, we're not going to touch Mahanit. Yes. But we are, and you're not going to know it. <laughs> and the, the, the plan was really, really intelligent. The fact that he's like, okay, let's get behind it at first so that mm-hmm. they're not going to shoot at their God or whatever their deity. Yeah. And then eventually we're going to get in front of it to go and use that as a way that we can drop off Spock and he can, navigate his way through yeah when they're when they're like um you can fire on us but the trilithium in our engines are, is going to blow up your comet anyway so yeah. uh we surrender please to. help us <laughs> <laughs> so good so good um <laughs> i wrote a note here that says i hope sam kirk becomes useful <laughs> because yeah, like he- he pretty much is out cold for the entire episode. Yeah, I mean, I like that you included Sam Kirk. It's cool to get to know more, to get to know more of that character. But like, and this is an episodic TV show, so it, we we will get an episode, I'm sure, based on him. But like, it feels weird to not to include him in the show and not use him for anything. Like, mm-hmm. it just kind of feel right now. It feels like unnecessary fan service. Yeah. Um. Well, I'm sure I that think won't be the case. There right? was a moment where he he helped Ahura trying to figure out while she was in um, this comet and she's in like the little area. He he definitely did kind of help calm her down and say, "Okay, let's focus on the task at hand. You're on here for a reason, so let's let's try to figure this thing out." This is a 55 minute episode, and he's out in five minutes. Remember, <laughs> like you said, I, I should look at the good in everything. <laughs> You're right. You're right. 
I'm like, it's no shade. I'm glad that I'm glad for his inclusion. It tells me that they want to use him for something. Just two episodes in, I'm kind of curious, like, okay, what is that role he's going to mm-hmm. be in? Because this felt like the episode, like initially, felt like the episode that he would be useful. Gotcha. Um, but then he's taken out. He's out. Out cold. Really like the designs of the ship. If I could marry a ship, man. <laughs> um. No, that's all my notes. I'm good. All right. I like yeah, this episode quite a bit. I am right there with you. Um, I did want to talk very briefly at the end when Aurora goes and gives uh, Pike her her notes on what happened. And she discovers something saying like, hey, so here's what broke off of the comet. And this is what, what the music translated. Yeah. yeah. This is what we found beforehand, hours beforehand. and this actually in fact was uh, a living organism if you will and it actually predicted what was going to happen and thankfully we we saw it kind of play out and spock actually did what was intended of him to do and it was his destiny to fulfill well it's kind of cool because it's it kind of goes back to an ambiguousness like yeah it it's probably less ambiguous than something that would be the case in the original series but it does still play into the idea of like well, like, how much of that, how much of that is real? Mm-hmm. Like, how much of that can we actually trust? Um, you know, but also Kirk, uh, not Kirk, Pike has this moment where he's just like, how many of, how many more of these like ancient life givers are there in the universe? Like, will we ever see another one? Um, yeah. Will we ever see this one again? Um, the idea that this comet's path is preordained, and it gave it gave this it gave this planet life. I I really appreciated that we kept flashing back to the planet mm-hmm. and seeing how how the comet was scaring them and then how they now see it as a life bringer because it brought the rain and that would yeah. create their help their societal development i thought that was a really nice touch for sure yeah man so far the show's a 10 out of 10 i'm right there with you cannot cannot disagree um man can't wait for the next episode <laughs> the, the the trailer for the next episode I played uh, is online. Looks awesome. I can't wait. Right on. I'm so happy to be in this place where I'm just like, more Star Trek. <laughs> Give me some more Star Trek. Oh, man. All right, buddy. But why don't we call that call that a day? Sounds good. Uh, plug your stuff. Sweet deal. Well, you can find me uh, on social media at Just Little Podcast on Instagram, Just Podcasting on Twitter. You can check out the podcast, drop a new episode every single Tuesday morning, 7 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. I'm on YouTube. Uh, I haven't been as active with putting out videos, but I've been on other people's shows like this one, so check me out there. Um, by the time of this recording, I've already done an episode with Comics with Bueller, a wonderful dude in the combo community. Uh, so I have a new episode coming out, which is going to talk about pop culture goodness, what's going on um, in pop culture today. So that's, that's about it with me, yeah. Right, I got a Comic Con coming up. Say again. You got what coming up? Uh, a Comic Con coming up. This uh, I would assume by the time of this airs, I might be at the Comic Con. It's going to be happening over uh, in Orlando, which is MegaCon, the largest Comic Con in South Florida. A lot of cool people are going to be there. Lavar Burton is going to be there. Um, Data himself is going to be there, so I'm pretty happy. I hope I can get some signatures on some comics that they are in. So yeah, it's going to be very good cool. Time. Uh, I, I have Brent Spiner and, and uh, LeVar Burton. 
their awesome. signatures. I'll send you a picture of them a little later. I also have Marina Sirtis. All right, just you don't have to show off now. <laughs> no, I don't have to show you off. I want to tell you a story about Marina Sirtis because it was really funny. I wanted her autograph, and she was like, "Do you know what I'm from?" I go, "Yeah, I'm from Star Trek: Generation." You watch it? Uh, yeah. She was so <laughs> shocked that someone as young as me was watching Star Trek: Generation. That's cool. All right. Anyway, so yeah, great to have you on, my my friend. I'm really, I really like doing the show with you. Um, Same here. I haven't heard from Michael Carls. Is he alive? I, I I called him. He didn't answer. So I'm hoping all is well. I might have to go and reach out to Riley, make sure that everything's good. That bitch left me on red. I messed. I, I messaged him. I was like, "Hey, you okay?" <laughs> he read it and didn't and respond. That was it. That's didn't too respond. funny. That that bitch. All right. Well, hopefully he can come back soon. Um, yeah. I miss talking to him. So that'll do it, guys. This is Fickner's Watch, part of the Fickner Family of Podcasts. Fickner Podcasts, Family of Podcasts. Um, you can check out some of our other Fickner's Watch series. We've just finished Moon Knight. All six episodes are out now. Um, well, four episodes. We we paired up two of them. So all six episodes of Moon Knight are available. All ten episodes of Star Trek Picard. We've done that on Fickner's Watch. That's all done. You can check out that. That's there. Um, again, if you missed the first episode of Star Trek Strange New Worlds, that's there. Um, got a lot of stuff. Got a lot of Fake Nerds watches. It's probably that show probably has more episodes than our main podcast at this point. I don't know if that's true, but it that's might fun. be. Um, so check out all that and we'll continue with Star Trek Strange New Worlds and we'll probably go into Lower Decks when that starts. I have a theory Lower Decks is probably starting at the, the like the week that's that this ends. Okay. And then we have Obi-Wan Kenobi coming up on the channel. Obi-Wan Kenobi will be our next Victor's Watch series. Uh, Cookie will not be there, um, <laughs> but he'll, he'll continue to do the Star Trek shows with me. Um, and then Miss Marvel probably is the one after that. So there you go. You can check out some of our other shows on this network, such as Basement Arcade, Basement Arcade Pause Menu, Animation Station, and uh, Fickner Book Club. Uh, I will get the second season of Conversation out there. Um, my old noggin is broken these days. Um, so that's that. And of course, our our mothership show, the Fake Nerd Podcast. Guys, check out the Fake Nerd Podcast. We go live every Sunday night where we talk about comic books and movies and all sorts of things. This past week, we have talked about the unbearable weight of massive uh, of massive talent, the new Nicolas Cage movie. Um, we talked about that where he plays Nicolas Cage playing Nicolas Cage. Perfect role for him. Perfect role for him. Um, you can check out that. That's up now. Or you can check out the upcoming episode again, live every Sunday night. Uh, the upcoming episode is. Holy shit. I don't know what it is. Is it Top Gun? No, it can't be Top Gun. It's not. Oh, it's Chippendale. <laughs> <laughs> very, very close. Very close. It's Chippendale Rescue Rangers, most likely, or it could be men that comes out at the same time, but it won't be Downton Abbey, a new age. That I'm seeing on my own. Um, so, all right. So that's everything. Um, we have a Patreon. We have a Public. if you want to support us financially. We have uh, all, we're on Fickner Podcast on all the social medias. If you want to follow us there, FicknerPodcast.com for all the links. You can check out uh, all that. The website has a bunch of stuff, including writings from me. I'm at BT McClure on Instagram and Twitter, or you can find me writing on Screen Rant, where I just put up a list about Halo, about Dr. Strange Multiverse of Madness, about Elizabeth Olsen cool list there um i'm doing a infinity saga uh, series on atomic geekdom you can find that um uh, on atomicgeekdom.com and i edit uh the website for kaijuramamedia.com uh you can find all those websites that's that all right 
Till next time you see us, live long and prosper. Live long and prosper.